Yeah, I've dropped a couple. Well, we're going. We're going. All right. Who thought accounting could be cool? Here we go. Join Andrew Wall and Brad Solman. Our mission make accounting fun. Follow us as we chat with amazing guests every Friday. Are you ready? Woohoo! 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 Yeah. Here we go. Coffee, coffee beans this Friday. I guess it's. No. Fox season taking its effect. <laughs> you doing coffee beans now? Don't do it, man. I, I have not yet, but uh, I'm definitely doing lots of coffee. I, 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 I think I need a coffee bean anonymous because <laughs> I, I sort of hit a wall, I think. Yeah, well, hope, sure, good. Yes. Shabir, um, thank you for joining us uh, this week. Sure. Those of you who don't know, Shabir is from Edmonton. Uh, he's Where's Edmonton? Yeah, it's apparently <laughs> it, it's in a warmer part of Canada than Canada today it is. Uh, Alberta's beautiful. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Shabir had to migrate from his deck overlooking the lake in, uh, in Edmonton to get better Wi-Fi so he could join us. Um, but thank you for joining us, Shabir. How's, uh, how's your week? The week has been uh, been good. You know, I can't uh, I can't complain. We um, we got lots of people who are having a whole lot harder time than we are right now, despite uh, you know, whether it's it's work or COVID or lack of work or whatever's going on. Um, you know, I'm blessed. Life is good. Yeah, and you were telling me that you uh, you work with uh, a lot of restaurant owners, a lot of manufacturing, um, some of the industries that have been you know completely transformed and uh, heavily affected by, by the pandemic we've been living through. Um, yeah. And now with new fresh lockdowns and, you know, Canada being worse than the U.S. and us, you know, people going crazy and everything that's going on. Uh, how's that, how's that impacted your business and how you affect, how you work with your clients? Yeah. You know, watching our clients go through some of this has been, been devastating. It's, it's an interesting mix because a lot of them have, struggled through this, had, you know, massive revenue declines and, and obviously profit declines through that and cash flow problems. And then some of them, uh, you know, I think some of the manufacturing clients that are thriving, having best years ever um, because of the nature of what they do, but working with the ones sanitizer? that are, sorry, <laughs> making hand sanitizer and Clorox <laughs> bottles, farm, farm equipment manufacturing more than anything else. Oh, interesting. Right? Um, it, it's, it's an interesting mix because, you know, you've got some in the farming industry that have served or the ag industry really that have served the restaurant population more than anybody else. So I remember back to, you know, guys in the mushroom industry where restaurants were the biggest buyers of mushrooms. You just don't sell a ton through the grocery chains. Um, restaurants shut down. People aren't eating out as much. They suffer. But um, on the flip side, you get, um, you know, people who are baking like crazy. Well, we need flour and wheat farmers and, and guys that are doing, in my case, the manufacturing of, of equipment to combine wheat. Um, all of a sudden, they, uh, they're busier than, than ever. So oh, they should weed for a sec. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Alberta. We have quite a few, uh, quite a few facilities here. So you know, that we do. That being a yeah. Friday and all. But yeah, at, at the beginning of the pandemic, I remember 
when toilet paper was in demand and so was mm-hmm. uh, flour and people were were trading it it actually had a, a market value that people were trading one bag of flour got you x amount of toilet paper or something like that or people were paying for flour in rolls of toilet paper that was the most bizarre um barter economy that was opening up people were out there on these community boards you know i live in a community in southeast calgary we have our own facebook group and Apparently, people were putting it out there, saying, "Hey, I'm low on toilet paper. I've I've got lots of flour." Like, who would have thought, right? So, a, a different kind of white powder that was on the market, generating a whole lot of business. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, but it was probably more flour was probably more valuable at that point in time than all these illicit drugs that might happen to be white. But um, yeah. it's just bizarre because you just mentioned you know, industries that you least expect all of a sudden are super mm. busy they didn't see it coming and others yeah. that tra- traditionally have weathered all kinds of things, you know, it's just for whatever reason, the supply chain tightens up or the customer mm-hmm. demand just dries up for whatever reason, or, you know, like the Amazons of the world, they, mm-hmm. people that never used Amazon or Amazon prime are, are hooked on it. You know, they're like, it's like, uh, you know, everyone using Zoom. Uh, people mm-hmm. had never used Zoom before. We're all kind of fatigued on it, but they're like, oh, this thing's really cool. But Amazon, you know, Amazon, I've heard, they tripled their value. They've hired more people in the last year than any employer in history or something. It's just, yeah. Like, Is there no anyone who's like, no, I wouldn't shop online. That's dangerous. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> People used to say that. What about my credit card? They'll steal my credit card information. Exactly. Now yep. they realize, uh, well, I can't go to a store. And now I can just order and do curbside or delivery. And, and it'll be here yeah. tomorrow. And sometimes it's been today. Well, <laughs> yeah. you know, let's 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 talk about. Uh, um, we're in Canada, so we can talk about legal uh, cannabis. They all use these platforms. I hear <laughs> they use these platforms. I wouldn't know personally, of course. <laughs> nudge, nudge, wink, wink. But they, they have these platforms that allow you to just look at inventory, see what's there. Say, yeah, I'd like one of these, one of these. Um, I, I'd like to buy this. You don't even have to pay for it. They're just saying, okay, it's ready, waiting for you. And you get these text updates along the way. And then you just show up and it's waiting for you. Um, and, you know, for social distancing, they're super serious about it. They're behind glass when you show up. So it just goes to show you that, you know, we can still coexist. I think at the beginning of this pandemic, people were like, I can't go outside. I can't do this. I can't do that. There are businesses that have adapted and customers have adapted. I'm not afraid to go. I don't know about you guys. I go to stores. It's interesting that how our economy, it has, um, it's definitely changed. It's completely changed in the way people spend money, but it has shifted. It shifted. It hasn't yeah, been yeah. a complete economic shutdown. Thank God it shifted, or we would yeah. have been in a world of her. Yeah. Um, and there was definitely people who felt the agony, but a lot of people pivoted, um, and a lot of people mm-hmm. had to adapt. And a lot of that was thanks to a lot of people in our community and the accountants who are out there doing sort of advisory and coaching these businesses on how to adopt yeah. Zoom and how to add Shopify and how to leverage technology. Did you have yeah. to do a lot more advisory work as your clients had to go through changes and, and, and you know, you saw the change in the way their businesses were had to operate, particularly in the restaurant business? Yeah, we, we went through a bunch of it, um, you know, whether it was looking at new markets or new ways to sell. 
Um, you know, even for some of the professionals, the change in business development, right? I mean, even for us, right, as, a, as our firm, rather, rather than, you know, advising a client, I do, I lead a lot of BD for our office. And my BD has been, you know, attend events, you know, I'll, I'll be with one of our marketing people at, at golf tournaments and just chatting with people and all that sort of stuff, all the face-to-face stuff. Yeah. And it's fun and I love it and, and, you know, it keeps me entertained. And all of a sudden that stopped. And yes. I was a fish yeah. out of water. And then I, I, you know, I, there was this moment of self-reflection of, okay, get your head out of your ass. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. There's ways to do this. You just have to actually commit to doing it. So don't show up at an event and commit three hours an event. You need to take that three hours of a week or every two weeks. And put it into digital or something else. Exactly. And so that's what I did is I started to go through LinkedIn to start with and went, okay, well, where's my, my target list? Who do I need to know? Who have I, have, have I not connected with in a while and go back and start doing it? And it was hard because, you know, you go back to your connections, you haven't talked to somebody in six months and you have to now reach out and uh, interact with them one-on-one, schedule something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, started to do a lot more of that, started to find people on LinkedIn that I thought, I'd really like to connect with this person for one reason or another. They look, you know, like an interesting business. They've got, you know, something great that they're doing. You know, they've posted some really interesting articles that, that appeal to me. I want to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, nobody's going to really want to respond and do that. And the response was way better than I thought. Yeah. People um, want to talk. They people want, want it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's worked out great. And I've noticed people doing it to me as well, sort of going, Hey, I'd like to connect and not, you know, as an accountant, you know, there's, there's a group of people out there that just want access to our clients, Yeah. right? Yes. Other service providers that want us to refer to them. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And of course, there's people that I see that I would, you know, like um, them to refer to me. That's yeah. okay. But, you know, this is just people in other industries and markets that are saying, hey, there's something interesting that I saw or read or whatever background, let's connect and have a conversation. And that's been maybe the most interesting shift in, you know, and, and I've talked to a lot of professionals about this is what you have to do now because you don't. So has there been a lot of advisory? That's, you know, one specific area that I implemented and talked to a lot of clients about, but advisory in general has been, uh, has been big this last year with new markets, new ways to sell, new ways to promote your business. You know, you've never really done anything online you got to figure this out now and we can, you know, direct you and guide you in some online promotion. One of my lawyer clients, um, you know, is, is always been busy between family and real estate and real estate's going crazy uh, across the country, really. Um, and for the first time, maybe a month ago, I saw a Facebook ad for them and I thought, great, they're finally, you know, moving in that direction and realizing that, you, uh, that they need to embrace the, the digital world of, of development because you're missing out on, on a whole potential group of, of clients and customers. But maybe more important than that, you know, where we used to serve and professional services used to serve a local market, you know, people that were, you know, within driving distance, um, that's changed, right? Our marketplaces are national and, and I mean, I know you guys are, are heavy in the IT world of, of the accounting side of it and, and, you know, the cloud stuff. And as a more traditional CPA firm, uh, we do a lot still face-to-face and in our local market, but, you know, we're 
growing that side of the online service business as well. But I'm finding that we're getting inquiries and I'm talking to people across the country about things to do and what, how we can help. And they are more open to, oh, you're in Edmonton? Oh, well, I don't care. We can yeah. meet on Zoom. Yeah. Right? It's a big shift. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, people still want to support law, uh, smaller mom and pop Canadian-owned businesses, um, mm-hmm. but you can be anywhere. And I think what's really interesting um, is that, you know, the way our governments haven't really recognized this, the fact that borders aren't really existing anymore um, and understanding the new um, workforce that is knowledge workers who can work online, who not only can work online, quite frankly, want to work online. They don't necessarily want to work online with their kids right next to them, <laughs> but they want to work from home um, and how that's going to change uh, the workforce and, you know, whether there's more independent people moving to independent contractor freelance type of work to get that freedom and flexibility, because you might have employers who say, okay, now that we can open up, I want you back in the office. Um, I, I wonder how much of that they'll actually be like how many offices are going to say, now that we can open up, I want everyone in here nine to five. I think that's it's that's not going to be a lot of people, but there are probably going to be people who want people in there, you know, uh, nine to five, three days a week or, mm-hmm. you know, some core hours or something. Yeah. We be- just surveyed our staff on that exact thing because we're, you know, kind of at the point where we got to make some decisions about our space mm-hmm. and what kind of renovations we do to, to adjust and, and allow the growth that we've got already in place and, and coming um, so we talked to our, our staff. We just, it was a quick survey by our HR manager, you know, what do you guys think? And, and it was interesting to see that while people were like, yeah, you know, I'd work at home two days a week. Um, but I don't want to work at home four days or five days a week. Um, so they still want that personal connection and that social interaction, um, as a business owner and a partner in the firm, I would prefer them in the office a little more often. I think the big thing that we have missed, and I know you had Sean Canungo on a long time ago, um, and I'm a big fan of Sean's, and and we chat every once in a while, thankfully. He's a great guy, but he he and I were talking about the accidental collisions that are lost Mm -hmm. in our COVID era because we're all working from home, and I don't get to just bump into a coworker, and not only just, you know, how was your weekend, what's going on, you know, and build some of that rapport and culture of the firm, but also, you know, hey, maybe you can help me with this because it's been bugging me and I'm not going to try and team somebody or, or set up a Zoom meeting to get a hold of them and, you know, focused meeting to discuss this issue. But if I bump into you while we're both grabbing a coffee um, in the kitchen, maybe I can have a two minute chat and just run something by you. Um, that's lost. And to me, you know, knowing that Canada is behind some of the world in our creativity and in our innovation and, and some of the, the growth metrics that are measured around the world, if we lose that, we have to find another way to do it. I'm not smart enough to know what that way is, but somebody can figure it out and tell me. Yeah, it's it's true. Those accidental collisions are, are, are just uh, non-existent. Like we have a, we do a daily stand-up every day. Uh, with the whole team and that helps a little bit but it's not it's nowhere near yes uh what you need and and want to have from those collisions i guess the question is 
what is going to be the right balance? Is it two days a week from home? Is it three? Is it what? It'll be interesting to see how it pans out. And uh, I like that you're pulling your, your staff to ask them what they want. Um, and that's a, that's a great way to approach it and just, you know, manage it based on what works well for, for them, but also what works well for you, um, you know, and uh, from a productivity standpoint, uh, did you find any drop in productivity at all with people at home? Yeah. Yeah, we did, uh, especially early on, um, as people got used to this idea of having to remote in and work on terminal servers and not have everything at their fingertips that they were used to, or realize that their internet connections weren't as good as they thought they were. They were great for streaming, you know, a net, like one person streaming Netflix, but if you've got one kid doing school online and then, you know, one partner, uh, husband or wife working, you know, at home and then the other one also working at home. And now you got three people drawing and, and streaming at the same time, your internet slows down to a crawl and you've got, you know, excess cost to upgrade or you can't upgrade or whatever. It, so we saw those, we saw um, an infrastructure issue internally a little bit that we had to remedy right away, knowing that we had like our office is uh, probably just over 60 people now in total. Um, you know, when the pandemic started, I think we were more like 52, 51, 52. So we've been able to add people through the pandemic, which has been great. Um, but, you know, the, 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 we weren't set up to be an online CPA firm. It just, it wasn't in our cards. We weren't expecting it. Two or three people work remotely. Sure. But for you people want to services already, or did you have right? to switch? Were you on terminal services already, or did you have to switch for the, or for everyone to work from home? Uh, we were not on terminal services. Um, oh, wow, that's everybody's... a big change to have to make yeah. in the middle of a pandemic. It's expensive yeah. and time-consuming. It's yeah. that's a big shift. Yeah. So we 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 had terminal services available, but it wasn't set up for forty people. It was you know it would max yeah, out at about fifteen to twenty. Gets there. Yeah. Gets you you need to have like a gateway and multiple servers and it being distributed. Yeah, like it's it's yeah. It's not as simple as just taking a machine that you have in the corner and putting and it on terminal service. Yeah. <laughs> and it takes some uh, yeah. IT involvement, right? It, it definitely yeah. does. Hey, uh, Shabir, uh, Brad uh, Hersak, who's uh, watching us tonight, asked, do you specialize in a particular industry? Um, I don't specialize in a particular industry, but I my focus will be uh, professional services, manufacturing, and then restaurant and retail. So hospitality, I guess I put those together. Okay. Those are the three areas where I spend the vast majority of my time, but you'll find me, you know, in a few other spots here and there. I don't really do agriculture. Like I'll do the manufacturing side of ag, but I won't farming, do though. Didn't you had one farming client or something? I saw something online. Yeah, yeah I have a couple. Um, but what I actually have is really great staff. So I can take on a farming client because <laughs> they're going to do it and they're going to do it right. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, you know, be in the background. In fact, I'm at a point now there's, there's this really cool thing that's going on in my office. Um, and uh, I've been you know, talking about it here and there, but I, I carry out whatever you want to call a full client load, right. For, for my firm. And I am going to take 50% of that and I'm going to pass it off to my partners. What is a full client load? How many clients is a full client load? Um, how many is really tough? So I probably have 200, 220, but one of my partners will bill the same amount as I will, but we'll have, 
So that's clients. Close to, close, close to 300, over 300 actually. Oh, oh more. Um, yeah, more. I happen to have some large clients. Yeah, you um, partners tend to take on the more complicated files, which tend to have the bigger billings, right? Yeah, yeah. So that that's that's part of it. But I'm going to divest of half of my client base, pass it off to um, other partners, stay involved at a high level. So I'm not disappearing on my clients at all. Um, but I am going to focus, you know, better than 50% of my time, call it 500 plus billable hours a year, strictly on um, advisory services. So I have a background in strategic planning, um, do a lot of work in growth and, uh, and succession. And I have a, a secondary designation, I guess, as a family enterprise advisor and FEA. Um, so, you know, family business succession and family business planning work. Um, so I'm going to spend a lot of time in that space. I really love the strategic planning. That's, you know, maybe the most fun that, that I can have with a client is, you know, I'd like to go from a million to 10 million in revenue in the next five years. Great. Let's work on a plan to get you there. Quarterly or monthly check-ins, break down the plan into, you know, nice bite-sized chunks and, and move these rocks to get you to the goal you want. And um, it's funny, you do that with a client and, and they look back at, at you and they're like, I can't believe you helped me get there. You were I'm like, I didn't do anything. You did all the heavy lifting. Exactly. You have to get them motivated, right? It's, you yeah. almost play the role of cheerleader. It's, hey, mm -hmm. you're the one that's going to have to do the heavy lifting, but you know, I'm just yeah. going to get you pointed in that direction. Yeah. yeah. Be a gonna, to direct them yeah. to the right people, right? Like, yeah, just that's it. I'm going to let them run yeah. them. Call the plays. I'm going to hold them accountable for what they say they're going to do. Um, and what, what we realize, and, and, you know, we tried to do strategic planning internally ourselves because I've got a background in it. One of our, our retired partners has a background in it. And so we tried to do it ourselves and it didn't work. Yeah. Because then you we hold somebody. yourself accountable. <laughs> exactly. But then we bring in an external consultant and pay them a whole bunch of money. And everybody yeah. goes, we're not wasting those dollars. There's yeah. no way we're doing that. We better get this stuff done. And all of a sudden you get it done, but you don't get big stuff done. You do lots of little things along the way. And then you look back 90 days, 180 days and go, we came that far. Like, I can't believe we did all of that. And it's because you looked at this daunting task of, you know, 10 times revenues. I don't even know where to start. Well, let's not. Let's look at a 10% increase in revenues in the next 90 days. Let's just go for that. And, you know, it, incrementally it, it works and you put in all the pieces behind it to make it happen and, and, uh, and it can go. So advisory is going to become a really big part of my life in, uh, in the next few months, get through tax season first, obviously, and then <laughs> dive in and, uh, and start having some fun. Yeah, I think a lot of us have put a lot of things off till the end of tax season. <laughs> <laughs> What, what I always find the first week of May is all of a sudden I get these huge amount of phone calls. So like, so like May 1st is like one of my busiest days. All the people I put off and said, yeah, call, call me after tax season, call me after tax season, call me after yeah. tax season. Oh, a lot of them start to call on you. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's true. We do, right? There's this three to four month period where, you know, if you, you take January and, you know, the first week of January is kind of light. And then we're going to kick up and start doing some of the easy T5s and T4s that we know we got to do. You're working on those December year ends so that those, you know, you can meet the February deadline for those T4s and T5s and crank all that out. And then March is busy with the start of tax season and finishing off December's and then April's crazy. So you got this three and a half, four month period of the year where 
you can't really work on your business. No, you can't at all. But you get to at the summer, usually yeah. overlooking a lake or that we, we yeah. get relaxed summers. And you know what? I'll take a busy winter to get the mm-hmm. relaxed summer because I want I want to have free time when the weather is nice. Absolutely. Bad knows what a what a wimp I am when it comes to cold weather. <laughs> yeah. And you got a nice place to hang out all summer too. So yeah, I'm very lucky with my dad's place. Uh, I, I definitely wish I lived on the lake. Uh, I'm only up to get to, to visit as a, as a guest, but I'll take as much time as I can while I'm up there. Yeah, whatever we can do to enjoy that summer is uh, is important, right? It's your chance to recharge. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but last year, last summer was the tax season that never ended. And yeah, you know, that's right, because every, everything was delayed and delayed. Are you happy mm-hmm. or annoyed or don't care that they didn't push tax season this year? I am happy they didn't. I didn't want an extension. and I've been sort of adamant about it. People have asked me consistently. I don't want an extension. Um, I don't see a need for one other than CRA has dropped the ball. And I don't know if there's anybody from CRA that's, you know, listening in. But if you are, you know, I'll come at you with both barrels. But I filed my own T4 and T5 for my professional corporation on February 15th, 18th. And I checked two weeks ago. The, T, the T5 is up, is up, but the T4 is not, mm. um, which, you know, kind of mind-boggling to me. But, you know, the, the number of... They had for, <laughs> for clients, too, who couldn't get access yeah, to their yeah. online portal and, like, so many issues. It's, and yeah. It, it's, it's been a disastrous year. It's funny, like, they gave us this huge extension last year that we didn't really need. Yep. And, and this year, the year that they probably should be giving us an extension, they're not giving us an extension. No. And I don't know if you've seen any of this. Uh, but we have a whole bunch of like people coming in now, which is great for us uh, because they're getting demand to files from CRA. So CRA is <laughs> not only like, fuck the ball, set a hard stop deadline, giving all these people demand to files. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're doing a massive cleanup project for a, um, for a, company or two companies out of Ontario that are uh, sitting on demand to file notices and they're actually, yeah, they're due Monday. So yes. Yes. Same here. We're done. Yeah. It's uh, crazy. I think what's we out there. Tuesday, but we, we, we we have to do it on Monday. Um, yeah. And, and uh, so we've got one that's due on Monday as well. And uh, we, we've, it's just been really interesting to see the complete shift in CRAs and the complete lack of acknowledgement. Like there's a survey out there now. You may not want uh, tax season extended. I certainly wouldn't mind because the other thing I, 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 and I guess you don't do a ton of them. I'm curious from other accountants in Canada, if they're seeing this as well, but a lot of our clients who we know are regular clients, we do their corporate tax return for them and we do their personal tax return almost every year. Still haven't brought their information into us. Mm-hmm. And like there's only a couple of weeks left. And in fact, we always say like we give people, we say our cutoff is this date. And if we don't get it by then, we can't guarantee it's done. That date was Friday. Mm. Uh, and um, we, there's lots of people who haven't been in. The problem we have, we always say that every year. And then people bring it in and then we get it done. You get it done. We always yeah, get it done. It anyways. And then they come to expect it, right? Yeah. And, and the closer you do, you are to the deadline that you deliver on. That becomes their new date, if not a day, a day closer every year. So you, it's your own fault. It is my own fault. For sure. <laughs> so this year, I've learned my lesson. This year, anyone who comes in on Monday and from here on is getting a notification. Hey, you are X in the queue. Um, and there's this many people ahead of you. And we'll do yours when we do yours. If you would like to jump the queue, 
you're welcome to do so. There will be a hundred dollar charge to do so. Mm. So we'll let, we're letting them know, yay, maybe we'll do it. Maybe we won't. But if you right. want to guarantee that it's done and jump the queue and get it done today, hundred dollars. Right. Interesting. So what, what happens if enough of the late people jump the queue? <laughs> such that, the queue? I'm, not, I'm not sure what I'm going to do when that happens. You're going to have to hire some contractors and, uh, and pay them a bunch of money, pay them you know, 50 of that hundred dollar fee to get it done. But I mean, $100 is a pretty steep penalty to jump the queue. Uh, and, yeah. and like, certainly if, if you are a straight T4, you're not paying that $100, right? Like it's yeah. going to be someone with a more complex file who's like, I, I, need to, I need to jump the queue and I can justify because my fee is not normally $150 for the year. Yeah, yeah. It's a $1,000 tax return and they've got a, you know, a twenty or $30,000 tax bill this year. And, you know, one day late is going to cost them, you know, that 5%. Yeah. That's well worth a hundred dollars. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've seen, uh, you know, some of it, uh, we're, I don't know what our numbers are. I'll get my stats on Monday, but if somebody told me we have 30% or 35% of our returns left to do, I wouldn't be surprised firm wide. Okay. It, that's, it feels that's, like it's coming slow. Yeah. That's, that's uh, a little bit better than me, but not a lot, not a lot better. <laughs> yeah. So, I, don't, I don't miss taxes, guys. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know. I, um, I, like I said, I don't do a lot. I don't do a lot by choice, right? I do them for my corporate clients. Um, and then I will only take on personal tax clients that have something of interest to me. Soul props or something. Yeah, something, right? Like even if you've got, you know, employment income and one rental property, I, I'm not that excited. I can't, and, and it's not that I'm not excited and they're not valuable, but you want people like us because we have specialized knowledge and can enhance some of your tax savings, make sure you're getting everything you're entitled to. I can't add any value on a, on a copy and paste. Exactly. And, and so if I can't add copy value, and paste anymore, it's push a button and download. download. You can do that yourself. Go get freaking TurboTax. Yeah. And so to me, it's just, it's not a good use of my time and it's not a good use of their money. Mm -hmm. And, and then when I tell people, you know, our minimum for a couple um, is generally 500. Yeah. Well, you know, when people are like, Oh, well that that's insane. The guy down the street is doing it for a hundred bucks. Like mm -hmm. go ahead. that's because your return needs no more than a hundred dollar fee. And therefore you should go there. But if you're a dentist who isn't incorporated, um, or you have six rental properties. Yeah. You don't want that hundred dollar return. You need my return. You need yeah. my people and my work because there's going to be something in it for you. Yeah. There's right. added complexity that can justify, you know, the, the human intellect that'll go into it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, that's just, you know, that, and that's how we've positioned ourselves. We're not the cheapest game in town. We're not the most expensive either, but when you need us, we're there. And if there's a, a cheaper alternative because you don't need us, then you got some decisions to make. Yeah. And we're okay with that. And I never want to compete on price because competing on price is a race to the bottom. It's I've never, yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it's why everyone freaking out about, you know, um, TurboTax live and QuickBooks live and all that stuff. And all these like low cost service stuff. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't care. I could care less. Low cost service and low service. Yeah. Yeah. Right? 
service. I mean, well, typically that's what you get, right? Like all pretty much all low cost service with mm-hmm. very few exceptions, you're getting low quality. Yeah. Well, how many, was it two years, three years ago, CRA started to complete returns for really simple, or really simple returns for some seniors sent out a letter a few years ago and said, you know, if you'd like us to complete, complete your return for you, just, you know, sign here and we'll do it for you. And I think, in the first year, they had something like 200,000 people take up on it. And I think the last year, it was in that 900,000 to a million range. Um, I, I've been, you know, speaking at a couple of different places. And, and, you know, I think we're less than five years from a point where we'll get to, CRA is going to do your tax return for you. Yeah. And you will only submit if you have something other than what, uh, what they have. Like other countries, we're, that, that we wouldn't be reinventing the wheel to do that, right? I mean, oh, it, no. it's well, we saw it in the UK when we yeah. were there, the Making Tax Digital um, Initiative, and Australia, think, right? And and these, they start with one taxation. I think it was uh, sales tax, and then they're eventually going to do personal and corporate, and they're going to bring mm-hmm. them all in so that you use yeah. their technology, their systems, their you know, and and that's it. You upload into their system. And you're yeah. not going to need the turbo taxes of the world. Well, but what, what do you practice. think about freelancers? Do you think that there should be a tax withholding on freelancers? <laughs> ah, tax withholding on freelance. So you mean somebody. Ed, that- you, can just, uh, you, you can send them a bill, Shabir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doing some research for a yeah. project yeah. he's working on. I'll yeah. tell you about it in the after show. I, I'm, I'm doing some, some work and, and um, talking to some people about freelancers and the gig economy and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I'm um, an advocate that there should be a withholding tax on freelancers. Um, I mean, I guess if we're going to get to, you know, to me, a freelancer is just a, a business, a business owner, a business like any other. Um, you know, we have all kinds of contractors and subcontractors that are unincorporated. And, you know, if they happen to be in the construction industry, you get a, a T-slip, right? But if you're not in the construction industry... Right. You don't get anything, right? It's your your responsibility to to report. Um, you know, if if there was a withholding tax, I guess that would, uh, or maybe could help reduce the underground economy impact a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe uh, it certainly would force people to file, and yeah. uh, and maybe a little, you know, they'd be more honest about some there, of their there numbers. Be no more demand to file letters going out because yeah. no one would be filing every year to get their money back. Exactly right. So. I think that's certainly um, certainly something. So, do I think there should be? Um, I, I'm an advocate of, you know, Government. CRA. Keep your hands off my money, and I'll give it to you as as I'm required to. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I, I mean, knowing a lot of clients and a lot of people, um, if that's not what happens, then they don't know how to pay their taxes. I mean, we put people on salary because they paid this year's tax with next year's money. And in the year they shut down, God knows what they're going to do to pay their tax bill. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's a reason to, to, to really get to that. So, you know, I, I haven't thought about this much, but I would say it's probably a good idea, even though I don't necessarily like it. Yes. And, and I, I'm, that was the big reason I'm a big advocate is because, you know, I, we, we work with a lot of people, a lot of independent contractors, a lot of freelancers, um, and I've seen um, all the benefits to it and um, all the dangers. And that biggest danger is these guys who spend every dollar they get paid. 
right? Mm -hmm. and, and you, you, as you, I work with knowledge workers and independent contractors who are making, you know, $150,000, $200,000 a year, right? This is at the higher end of the independent contractor. These aren't Uber drivers and, mm -hmm. you know, um, Airbnb hosts and th these types of businesses who don't understand finance at all and grasp mm -hmm. the concept that they're going to owe a big chunk of that. And the better they do, the bigger that that chunk is going to be, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then they get to the end of the year and they barely have the money to pay an accountant, let alone CRA. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're paying, you know, uh, next year's, their, this year's taxes with next year's money, right? Mm -hmm. And it just is, creates this vicious cycle. And I think it would be good for small business. And I love small business and I want to see small business uh, grow in Canada because I think that small business is where middle class comes from. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're seeing this, this massive shift and this hyper-polarization where the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. I mean, this has always happened worldwide, right? Um, right. But we're seeing it more in Canada. Um, and I'd love to see, you know, Canada be the success story of the middle class, um, you know, where we're this great melting pot and we're all, we love each other and we have a great sense of community and we're all, you know, live at a higher standard. There's, we don't have to deal with these social programs because everyone's doing well right we're mm -hmm. all middle class we don't need to have social support systems to help the homeless because there's less homeless or what mm -hmm. we have smaller programs right um and it's definitely um you can tell my energy and enthusiasm <laughs> comes out about this but i should digress yeah. because you might have to bill me if we keep talking about it <laughs> <laughs> it's all good i uh i don't mind doing some things off the clock <laughs> yeah, the, the, the more uh, we have a couple of these, the easier it is to. to... Yeah. Well, yeah, Andrew's you know. lobbying, if people are wondering what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's lobbying the government for some initiatives. That, uh... I, I, but believe it or not, I'm not lobbying them, them for that initiative. It's interesting. But right. that's something that's come out of it to me that's become something I'm, I'm pretty passionate about and right. I think would be but, great to see happen. Yeah, but this leads down to that, that road of, you know, I don't have to file a tax return unless I have something to report, right? So whether it's withholdings on, on gig economy and, and freelance workers or, um, you know, some kind of even donations, people are like, well, how are we going to deal with donations then? Well, you know what? We've got Canada Helps and two or three other organizations that are set up to take donations in a secure way. They already have your credit card. Well, Maybe you have to add your social insurance number to the donation. And now CRA has got the donation amount tied to your, your SIN number. Yep. And bam, there's your number. It's already downloaded. It's processed and, and, and it's over, right? Um, medical might be a little bit harder, but, you know, maybe you throw out medical for anybody, you know, anything under, I don't know, 5,000 bucks. Everybody yeah. gets some basic level medical tax credit because yeah. some years you're going to spend it and some years you're not. And then, oh, lo and behold, you're over the threshold this year. Great. You got something to report? Fill out the form, send it in. You don't have anything to report? Great. I got my, my medical credit and, and I'm done. Let's simplify the system. Because mm -hmm. right now, I mean, as, as you guys and everybody who's on, I'm sure knows, CRA says, we know how much tax you're supposed to pay, but we're not going to tell you. So do your own calculation with your own record. And we'll tell you if it's wrong. <laughs> and we'll tell you if it's wrong. And then we'll penalize you because you were wrong and you didn't come up with our number. Yeah. Well, what kind of stupid asinine system is that when 
you know, if you have the information for, you know, I don't know what it is, 40, 50% of the population, just fill the damn form out and tell me mm -hmm. and send me my refund. Yep. And again, if I want to challenge it, I can challenge it. But if I don't, great. Yeah. Let's, let's it, move it, on. And it would be better for the government too, because they're going to have, they're, they're going to have their money faster and sooner and, you know, cash flow mm -hmm. will be better for them. And right now we need that because we need to, we need to, you know, fill the coffers and help, yeah. you know, uh, make sure the stimulus is funded. <laughs> right. Yeah. Deficits that we're running are. Now I can also see me getting a whole lot of hate mail after, uh, after this conversation, because oh, there's yeah. a bunch of people who rely on personal tax season for their livelihood. Yeah. And, and I, I get I, that yeah. and I feel for them. Right. Um, and so, you know, if this is going to be something that actually happens, we need a transition plan for those people to do something to maintain their livelihood, because this would take it away. Yeah. Um, and but, I, I am advocated to get rid of my own job. Because I <laughs> right. I mean, it's a big part of our practice too. And so if there's a whole bunch of personal tax work that goes away, I mean, you know, maybe I won't work till midnight on a whole bunch of days and weekends on, uh, in, in March and April. So, you know, my family would like that and I would like that. But on the flip side, can we do something with all those people with that skill set that actually adds value to businesses, to business owners, to the economy, rather than filling out forms for compliance purposes. Yeah. And we can, we absolutely can. Yeah. So if we can get there, then I think, you know, something like that would be a, uh, a huge leap forward. Hey, we put a whole bunch of CRA auditors out of work too. And I don't want to put anybody out of work, but if I have to put somebody out of work, maybe I worry less about the CRA auditor sometimes. Yeah. I hear you on that one. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> They're people too. They have families to feed and, and everything else. So we got to retrain them as well to do something more, more beneficial for the world. Well, long-term though, I mean, there's always shifts in the way people do things, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, this has been coming for a long time. It's not going to change overnight. So for anyone who's doing uh, personal tax returns, you know that you'll still, it's still relevant for a while, but I think we have to look at any industry that gets disrupted in any way, shape or form. Um, life does not guarantee us any livelihood. We all have to ebb mm -hmm. and flow and we've been forced to do that in the past. So um, if the CRA changes, I'm sure there'll be other opportunities will creep in. People will find right. other ways to adapt. Maybe they- uh, Unfortunately, people adapt when they're forced to adapt. Yeah, um, for, well, but that can be a good thing, right? Yeah. That can be a good yeah. thing. The pandemic is a prime example of that, where people have been forced to uh, change the way they do things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, well, you're liking terminal services, Shabir. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, that could work. I mean, but, you know, we had um, people who used to make candles and build wagon wheels and, you know, yeah. horse buggies and carriages and, and you know, at every single stage of, of that kind of industrialization of something or some sort of revolution, um, everybody thought something was going to end, right? All these people would be out of work and wouldn't have anything to do. Um, you know, there aren't a whole lot of blacksmiths around anymore, yeah. but we do a heck of a lot of manufacturing in a different way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it can, uh, it can all work. We just need a plan for it. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, it's 
hopefully this summer will be a good time for me to start planning about what my next shift is going to be because even though I was relatively well uh, prepared for, for this shift, um, I love to be at the leading edge uh, and I love mm. to, to see what's new and exciting. Do you, I mean, you get to hang out with Sean Canungo and, you know, you've got some interesting friends. Do you see anything interesting on the horizon, new technologies, anything and industries that you're passionate about uh, other than of course the coaching and the, and the uh, advisory, which you talked about earlier. Yeah. You know, I, um, I, I the reason I, I gravitated towards restaurants and manufacturing um, was because they build something and, and people like, yeah, a restaurant, they just, just, you know, prepare food. No, a restaurant is a manufacturing environment. They take a whole bunch of raw materials and with the right recipe or the right chef or the right people, they turn it into something beautiful that you can eat. Cause if I slap, you know, some leaves and some other pieces and, you know, a hunk of meat on a plate, yeah, you could eat that, but you miss out on the presentation and the beauty and the taste and everything else. And you get a great chef that creates something wonderful. Um, that's different. So I really enjoy, you know, those kinds of environments and, and the manufacturing is the same thing. And so, you know, what do I see? Some of the common stuff, automation in all kinds of ways. Um, I've got a client who, um, you know, has international roots and they're bringing some international concepts to the, the food world. Um, not just international cuisine, but an international way of, of serving it. And it's, I can't reveal it because I've been asked not to, but um, there's some, some cool things that, that people do because of their backgrounds and what they have. So, you know, I'm, I really enjoy that, that creating something and building something. Um, in terms of technology, what am I seeing? You know, people have talked about blockchain taking over, you know, a big chunk of the accounting and audit world and, you know, verification of transactions. Um, I think it'll happen, but I think it's a long ways out. The adoption is going to be a long ways yeah, uh, before we I really agree. see it. Uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be, it'll be for a standards. while and it really hasn't been happening. Like, I mean, exactly. well, actually the funny thing is, uh, the interesting thing about blockchain, it, it, it is happening, but we're not really realizing it <laughs> um, because blockchain is being used more and more in various things, but not in the, like, I think the, the concept of the triple entry accounting um, right. hasn't really appeared in that uh, elaborate way, but the way it's being um, worked you know, like, like the way it's working its way into new things like NFP and, you know, mm -hmm. or NFT non-fungible tokens or whatever it is. It's, it's, um, you know, it is working its way into all of the things that we do. And it, it underlies a lot more pieces of technology than you'd even realize, um, mm -hmm. which is interesting, you know, and all the major banks all have programs and, and things that they're initiating with it. Um, but, you know, it's those legacy systems are, they, they're, they've been around for a long time and it's going to be a long time before they're gone. Yeah. I think that that'll be a, a, a really long time frame to, to really get, you know, solid adoption of, of that. Um, I had another thought on, on, you know, technology and changes and I just lost it. So it'll <laughs> come back to me at some point, maybe yeah, it was just, relevant and important. Yeah. I have another sip. It'll come back to you right away, but it's Friday. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, yeah. Brain's a little fried. This is Zoom event number nine for today. So I've been staring at the screen a lot today. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, it's a lot. One of those days. So. 
I, do you are you still mostly one on one type of Zoom meetings, or are you doing uh, like a lot of speaking type of things? Um, I, I haven't done a lot of speaking in the last year or so, um, but uh, there, there's there's some here and there um, presentation speaking type things. But most of my uh, my Zoom meetings right now have been you know advisory related with you know a small group because owners are buying you know this business or bringing in shareholders and so we've got you know okay. incoming outgoing party and you know the key people lawyers and, and stuff involved in the the meetings that's been the bulk of it especially right now um there isn't a ton of time to do a lot of speaking but um there's bits and pieces there, there's irons in the fire that i'm hoping that'll uh turn into something i i, I joke when i grow up i want to be like sean <laughs> um, and, uh, and he laughs at that cause he's younger than I am, but you know, and, uh, and, and someday maybe I'll actually pursue that as, as a little more of a, a career step, but for now stand it's stand up. Did you do stand up too? I, I'm not a funny guy. You don't want me to do stand up. Everybody will just leave. <laughs> well, not when you put on the spot, you've had a couple one-liners already. So I've, I've tackled a few times. So you got, you definitely not a, you're not a dry guy. You're not a boring accountant. Um, well, there, there's boring a, accountants, huh? no, there, there, there's a, uh, a, a joke that runs around in my firm. People have sort of gone, Hey, one of these things is not like the other ones. I'm like, yeah, I'm th this, you know, odd duck that wanders around the, the office and, I really like business development and networking. And, you know, we have people that are really good at it, but don't love it. Right. I just love doing it. Right? Yeah. For me, that that's fun. And, uh, you know, reviewing a, an audit file of just about anything is the last thing I want to do. Um, <laughs> I do it because it's part of my job and I need to, Yeah. but, you know, give me the choices. And, you know, if, uh, quick story here. One of my partners, um, she's, incredible accountant. She's very good. She's better than she thinks she is at almost everything that she does. But we went out to a, an event that she, it was a, a study group for a bunch of dentists. And this was around the time, I'm trying to think of exactly when, I think this was around the time when um, there were some significant changes in income tax rates. Um, and, uh, and they'd happened federally. And then, you know, shortly after that in, in Alberta as well, based on, uh, on the government's making some, some adjustments. Uh-oh, I think Shavir's- they have We're talking about- Oh, got oh. him back. Yep, we thought we oh. lost for a second. Oh. We had a glitch. Lost me for a minute. Uh-oh. Keep going. So we went out to the, okay, sorry. So we went out to the study session and, and you know, split the presentation up between the two of us and um, had dinner with a, a group of dentists and it was a ton of fun and, and I loved it and she hated every minute of it, I think. And we walked, we're walking out back to the cars and, and, and she says, you know, I would have rather spent six hours in the office working on files than the three hours we spent here. And I said, I would have rather spent an entire day with these guys than three hours in the office doing work. <laughs> right. Just, but that is the beauty of a partnership. Right, that we've got people that all have different strengths and get to do different things and want to do different things, yeah. and so I get to do stuff like this and yeah. you know go out to events and hang out at golf tournaments and do the business development and you know in the old political world you know shake hands and kiss babies um, yeah. while others are are doing what they love to do and yeah. uh, makes my day fun. 
Yeah, I, lo- I love the social aspect of it and, and the hanging out. That's why I'm also wondering uh, about the the speaking stuff because obviously you're you know pretty charismatic guy. You know your stuff. You like the business development. Uh, one of the things we've been doing is so like I'm not I don't I don't do a lot of necessarily paid speaking these days. Not a lot of gigs. Uh, but what I do is I I have a webinar every two weeks for our clients and uh, and I just put it out in public. I do it on Facebook Live. I invite my clients out to it. Um, we it's not huge turnouts, but uh, I'm just forcing myself to um, speak to a group of people every couple of weeks from a sort of business development standpoint. And, right. Um, just do it on a topic that is hopefully going to be helpful to my client base. That's valuable and helpful. Um, but it's been working also from a business development standpoint and, and getting new leads and helping with the digital and social. So it might be, might say, yeah. might be something you want to add to your, your queue once you've got some time. Yeah, it, it's, it's something we've, we've talked about, especially with my, my marketing coordinator, whether it's, you know, a webinar or some, some sort of thing that I'm going to do. Um, you know, in the, the advisory world, when you're, you're using um, or using examples or, or tools, we talk about it as proof of capability. Right. So I'm going to talk about, you know, a, a client story with permission or anonymously on, you know, some of the things we did. And like you said, hopefully that's helpful to other, other clients of yours and other business owners that are out there to see, you know, what's there. Um, so, you know, I've been thinking about stuff like that and, and also just hosting people similar to this, but, you know, a, an interview, we did one, well, actually we did, I guess, a, a two-part series with, um, Dr. Deans who wrote Willing Wisdom, um, brilliant guy, uh, really fun to chat with, but it's got this cool take on wills and how to deal with wills and, and wealth transition. Right. Um, so we did a, a two-part series with him and the response that we got was phenomenal because he's fun and engaging and he makes you laugh and the book tells a story and um you know so you're right there's got to be more of that in my my world coming up i just have to figure out how to fit it in with everything else you know what would be what what might be a really interesting sort of podcast thing is those conversations you were telling me about with all the people from the different industries that you're speaking to I mean, if you just recorded those conversations, that yeah. you know, those are the types of things that people would love to be a fly on the wall for. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. That uh, might be something to to try out. I like it. I yeah, you notes. just gotta make sure they're cool with you recording it. Uh, yeah, but most people are. I mean, you know, we got you on this show. You're willing to let us uh, air you live. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I I might get myself into a little bit of trouble depending on. How much of that uh, that old fashioned I managed to polish off, but oh yeah, uh, we'll you, you've done all right. We'll we'll see what we get you to say in the after show, and when we're, we're still recording. <laughs> and you're supposed live. to turn off recording, but sometimes he forgets. Uh, <laughs> make sure he does. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll make sure to, to shut it off, and maybe we'll get some people to join in. And I mean, I see Hector's uh, joining us in the audience tonight. It might be maybe he'll come join us in the after show and hang out and you know who maybe Sean Canongo will come and join us you never know who we're going to get in the after show but uh for you I'll make sure to turn the recording off (laughs) (laughs) I got a reputation I got to uh, maintain right there's there's the professional world and then there's the the other world and you know if uh if I can quote uh George Costanza one of his um one of his old episodes he was talking about how his how his two worlds collided and it blew him away and he didn't know what to do and and I don't need my worlds to collide sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
I, I've, 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 that ship has sailed with me. <laughs> yeah. My reputation, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's yeah. all, uh, no all good, you know. And, 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 and if people know you and and they they know who you are, then you know that those those two worlds don't really need to stay separate. Yeah, they um they accept you for who you are, and and that's really what matters. Yeah, I guess for for me it was that's probably a big result of my dad's influence. Who you know, growing up in in a family business where my dad's you know business was his practice, which was literally in our house, where you know there was no separation between family and business and, and there still isn't for me. Like I, I don't have a set number of hours that I work like every, like I'm just always doing what I enjoy, which just happens mm-hmm. to make money for me. Um, right. Sometimes I have to do some stuff I don't enjoy like filing taxes, <laughs> uh, but I do my best to spend more time doing the things you enjoy, uh, which is getting out there, talking to clients, you know, doing the networking, the business development, yeah working and playing with, I enjoy the digital and the technology side and playing around with things, working on the website and uh, exploring and, but it's all one and the same. So like hanging out on Friday night live to me, it's neither work, it's neither um, social. It's just the things that I'm passionate about and I do. And uh, you know, sometimes you, you got to do a few things in your day job that you don't enjoy, but most of it, mm-hmm. I, I, I get to hang out with clients and talk to them about their business and, do interesting things. And I'm pretty darn lucky to be able to have that. And I think, uh, you know, it sounds like you've got the same thing. Maybe you have that separation a little better than I do. Uh, but you're, you love your, you do, right. You enjoy getting out there doing this business development. Yeah. I mean, I I reviewed a a tax return this, this morning with, with a widow who, you know, is, you know, done quite well. Um, her kids are all in the, the Calgary area. Southwest, I think, and she lives in Edmonton still. And, and, you know, we somehow got onto the topic of Canmore and, um, you know, how much time she's been able to spend there and how much she loves it. And I was there a couple of weeks ago and, um, you know, learned about a couple of trails that I probably need to, to walk next time I'm there. Right. I mean, that kind of stuff happens because I have fun with what I do and, and, you know, you get to talk to, like you said, you hang out with your clients and yeah, there's a work aspect to it, but. But you hang out with them. you're having a conversation. Yeah. It's not, it's not all straight to let me, let me open up your financial statement. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'd probably make more money if I didn't do all that stuff mm-hmm. for a short period of time until my clients decided that. Well, he's so just kind of che- a cheaper guy. Yeah. He's just the robot you know, tax guy, accounting guy, and, and he doesn't care about me or what I do or what's important to me. And I can't have a conversation yeah. with them. And so then it's just compliance again. Right. And like you said, then they're going to the cheaper guy. Yeah, right? they, but, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. Right. And, yeah. and, and that's the bottom line. If, if your clients don't like you, they're, they're just going to be looking for the, whoever's next, you know, whoever, pitches them a cheaper offer or, you know, lower price, they're gone to the next year. Right. Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. Let's build that relationship. And like, I mean, I, you are probably the same. We have clients who've been with us for, you know, literally decades, like literally multiple decades. And, and I know them, I know their kids. I, mm-hmm. I know and their kids are clients. I know their grandchildren. Um, you know, we've got one family that we've got 
four different generations in there. <laughs> wow. That's that's great. Is that the ledger guy, yeah. the paper ledger yes, guy. It is. <laughs> yeah, I even know who that guy is. Yeah. Uh, so he's he's our one client that we still allow. He literally physically brings me a ledger book. Oh like, wow. Literally, literally green paper lines, a ledger book. Like and in a book. Like you like we're like it used to be the biggest pain in the butt because we would have to like scan it. And now we have yep. we have nice scanners and stuff like that. Um, which has been this is uh he's he still has to. Even in, in COVID, he had to arrange a time to come in and drop off his ledger book. We just did his return. How does he, uh, how does he get refill pages? Do those still exist? Well, he can, <laughs> apparently, you can still buy them at Staples. <laughs> wow. I guess there's a market for it. So, you know, they'll, they'll still sell them. And my dad, I remember when, when my dad uh, worked, um, he would always, like, his notepad was ledger paper. He refused to have an, any other kind of notepad. It was so it wasn't a book, but it was the no, it was yeah. it was just sheets of paper, and he would free like it was never ledgers. But yeah, it was always was it the the green seven column? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah so so when I uh, when I started articling, uh, which was you know a little over twenty years ago now, just over twenty years, um, you know that's what we had. But we we used caseware, and you know we'd have this this process where. Um, you know, caseware has a program in it with all the questions you're supposed to ask or, you know, evaluate the steps you're supposed to go through, whether it's an audit or whatever. And, you know, it'd be step one. And then there was a column in caseware to fill in your initials. And then there was a section for comments. And our firm process at the time to was to look at that question and go step one. And then you'd take the seven column paper, you'd write step one and you'd initial or you'd initial the top of the page. And then you'd write your comments. And so one day being the literally shit disturber that I am, I went, this is dumb. And we were printing the paper, obviously, back then. There was no electronic files really back 20 years ago. Yep. So I'm like, this is dumb. And my handwriting is bad at best yep. and it's slow and I can type way faster. So I initialed in caseware and then I typed my comments and then I printed that off and I put that in the file. And a manager oh, reviewed it, shocking. gave me back a query and said, where's your ledger paper? This doesn't fly. <laughs> you need to do it this way. And so I, I said, okay, fine. And so I wrote out that one page and I went back to him and I said, here's the printed copy and here's the ledger paper. Please explain to me why the printed copy is not sufficient for our documentation for the Institute to meet the standard." And other than because that's how we did it last year, there was yeah. no answer. Exactly. And within months, and I wasn't the only one, so I'm not taking credit for this by any means, because there was other people talking about this as well. But within months, it was a, okay, we should stop handwriting this stuff and just type it because. And do it the way it's better. Not me, not me. <laughs> You know, I'm not taking credit for this because there was a lot of there was others talking about it and doing it as well. But yeah, we should do it this way because it makes more sense. Right, not because we did it that way last year. But exactly. Believe it or not, we're we're at time. You didn't say anything. You didn't get yourself into trouble. I actually let us run a little bit over because I I lost track of time. I was I was <laughs> deep into the conversation. Um, Brad, uh, do you want to announce our guest for next week? Uh, we next week up? is uh, Chris Farrell, uh, uh, Lysio's founder. So that'll be a fun. A discussion. Yep. He's a very cool. personal guy. So we're looking forward to that. 
Okay. Thanks a lot, yeah. Shabir. Great, great having you here tonight. Stick around for the appreciate your insight.